Hello, hello. So Meg Williams and I recorded this episode weeks ago, before coronavirus swept the world. And as we release this episode, we're faced with massive changes here on the planet due to this virus. Meg, in the episode, talks about how to respond to change that we don't choose, and what can be gained from it. At one point, she says that massive growth is always a potential to change, and I'm curious to see what response to change the world chooses right now. This episode is full of advice for us on a personal and collective level at this time in history. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Meg Williams raised four kids while living the quintessential American life, only to be stopped in her tracks by the death of her oldest daughter, Hannah. In a desperate attempt to find healing, she placed all that she had ever believed in on the proverbial shelf and set out to find hope, resulting in not only a vibrant and exciting new life, but inspiring her to support others in their healing journeys also. Hello, Meg, and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Hi, Sarah. Nice to be here. Thank you so much for being here. I look forward to getting to know you on the podcast today and seeing what arises. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so I'm really excited to talk about change today. We haven't really had this topic explicitly on the podcast before, and I was really intrigued by you saying that you help women to navigate change. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Um, Absolutely. So what I do, um, well, change comes in so many different forms. And um, women, well, we all need help a lot of times navigating it because change uh, usually evokes a lot of fear. Um, And when I say change comes in different forms, I mean, sometimes it's a willing change. Like I just want, I want a new job. I want a new situation. I want to change uh, the way I parent. Um, I want um, (laughs) to, I want to change my relationship with my partner. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's one form of conscious change and, and that's hard. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's quite difficult and tricky as it is just facing yourself um, when you're, you're choosing something like that. And then there's the change that is thrust upon you that you can just be thrown into chaos. And 
um, by losing a job, by having health issues, um, by being asked, served at divorce papers. I mean, there's so many things. So, um, yeah, I guess I like to help people <laughs> look at their fears surrounding the change, no matter what form it comes in. Mm, I really appreciate that distinction early off. Like there's the change that we want to choose or that we are choosing. And then there's the change that we don't choose, but are forced into. Yeah. 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 Huge. So, <laughs> so much right there. I had one um, teacher used to say, used to call the change that we don't choose forced evolution. There's like chosen mm. evolution or, you know, when you get that ping from spirit, like, Hey, this change wants to be made and you say yes to it versus um, sometimes we don't um, embrace what we could choose. And then there's like a forced evolution or there's a change that is so unexpected and then it forces our evolution. And so, yeah, I'm wondering Go ahead. Where was something oh, to arise? Um, I was just going to say that um, change is full of potential, and uh, I think one thing I have learned, especially with the change that gets thrust upon you, which um, I feel like just in today's world, a lot that's happening, and I feel like for women, um, it's happening more. But I feel like that change. It, it gives you an opportunity to move into potential and it's fraught with a lot of um, potential to move into a victim role. Mm -hmm. um, and there's just so many beautiful choice points. And mm -hmm. when you're aware of them, it, it I can't say it makes it easier to make the choices. It's just easier to see what's going on versus feeling like you're just thrown into something that there, that, that, that all, all chaos at the end, um, is, is growth. You know, once, once everything lands, the dust settles, mm -hmm. there's so much potential there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, we all, you know, a lot of us, many of us having these conversations on this podcast and many listening come to what we now do for a living based on what we have experienced in our own lives. And I'm wondering if you have a story to share around how you came to learn that you really needed to embrace change. Oh boy, do I have a story. And you're right. We, we cut, like we come here to listen to this and gather as women um, because we have a story and because we're on a, this journey and we we're looking for clues, we're looking for connection. Um, we're looking for unity to, um, help navigate our story and live it to the fullest. Right. And, and that's, um, that's so beautiful. So I'm going to give you two examples from my life of change. Mm -hmm. One was when I chose and that threw me into chaos. And one was when it was stressed upon me. Um, so I am 54. I have, uh, I'm the mother of four children. They're all grown and raised. I can't believe it. And, um, so it was seven years ago now, gosh, seven years ago. Um, my youngest child was almost 18. My husband and I, we were at a crunch point 
in life. Um, and it just, it, it was like, do we carry on suburban America? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with suburban American life, but I had just raised my kids. I'd been the, the suburban mom and career woman. I was like <laughs> exhausted. Um, but I had loved every minute of it, but I knew that I was at a fork in a road here. Like it was, mm-hmm. was I going to continue being a real estate agent um, in my community and doing this and then be a grandma that everyone comes to my house for dinner, which mm. I, I crave right now. So that's not a bad thing mm. either, but I knew it is something in me was like, Oh gosh, there's a big change coming and I can feel it. And bottom line was we had a, my husband wanted to sell the house and go traveling in central America with backpacks. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, had you ever done anything like that before? Was this, um, I mean, we had traveled, not, not with backpacks, not with this, <laughs> not, not with a home or no longer yeah. having a home to come home right. to. Like, okay. that was like, oh my God, we're really like cutting ties with this thing. Uh, massively um, but he felt really strongly about it. And I was terrified. I raised all the decisions why it was a stupid thing, but deep in my heart, I also knew that, that this was a fork in the road that this was a, a, and I, so I said, yes, and we did it. And oh my God, it was, I, I was a basket case. I mean, just selling all my furniture. And I mean, I, 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 that was when I had my first panic attack ever was selling all my stuff because I was like, who am I without all my stuff? Oh my gosh. Because the stuff makes the home and that makes the woman. Yes. Yes. The day we sold our dining room table is when I had a panic attack. I thought, that's what I feed my kids on. And I don't have that anymore. And who am I? Who am I? So, um, so I'm going to leave that just for time's sake. And I'm going to fast forward. So just imagine that two plus years go by and I settled into this role and I did okay. I mean, it was hard. I faced a lot of stuff and I didn't face a lot of stuff too. Um, but then we, two years uh, forward, we decided to move to a town in Costa Rica. We decided that this is what we're going to do. We're going to live a simpler life. And I was all for it. I was super excited. Uh, I knew the town we were coming to. We, we come here and six weeks after we got here, uh, we got a phone call um, that my oldest daughter, Hannah, who was 26 years old, had, a stage four cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And so we flew home and I'm going to keep this just succinct, but you're welcome to ask as many questions because I'm quite an open book. But basically mm-hmm. they said, there's nothing we can do. It was a colon cancer. It was, mm-hmm. it was it late presenting. Once it was found, it was in her liver and lungs. And they said, there's nothing we can do. And she died a hundred days later. Wow. So that was the change that was thrust upon me yeah. and left me in chaos to navigate. How am I going to, well, for me, it was how am I going to want to live again yes. after this and find the will to live again. And, um, and, turn this into something good because she was so good Mm. because I knew, I mean, yeah. So, so yeah, those are my two stories of change. 
Thank you. Do you have any questions? <laughs> well, the, I mean, I just first want to witness what you just shared. Um, very, very big share. Thank you so much for sharing it here. And yeah, I do have questions about, you know, what came next, but I would love for you to continue the story in any way that, um, yeah, that, that wants to be spoken today as far as that, the magnitude of that change. And I heard you say, how was I going to want to live after this yeah. point? And so that communicates to me that, that it was a very, very low, low. And um, so you and your husband, are you still together? We are. We you are able to navigate that together. Yes, and we have. You, you showed me your sunny Costa Rica view this morning. And so you're back in Costa Rica. So some of the question that I have is how, what, what happened next? Um, this was five years ago. Not quite five years ago. Yeah. Not quite five years ago. So yeah. Can you give us a little bridge? Like what happened after? And then here you are helping women to navigate change in their own lives. So there, there were points of reclamation. And so I would love to hear a little bit more about the journey out of that. Like sure. How did you recoup from that change that you didn't choose, that no one would choose? Right, right. Um, okay, so... I think first I, I, I'd like to paint a, a little picture of of the shape I was in when we did come back to Costa Rica because we did come back to Costa Rica after she passed because I thought, well, this is as good a place to exist as any. <laughs> I mean, that was how, how low my mentality was. But um, I did not handle her her dying process well. As I and I don't fault myself. It's just I don't. We are not equipped or trained, or it's like the elephant in the room, death. Um, especially if you think about a child dying, we're just not equipped um, for that. So, uh, and her death, just to be blunt, was not. I mean, hundred days seems fast, but it was slow and painful. I mean, it wasn't like just one day, you know, I mean, there's, there's a process to, especially yeah. a death with cancer, the body dies slowly. And I'm just being honest and graphically it as a mother, yeah. I had to detach from, or I should say my coping as a mechanism I chose um, naturally, without even thinking about it, it, was to detach from my body to handle what I was seeing, what mm -hmm. I was living, because there was no way in hell I wasn't going to be there physically present for everything she went through. But it was too much for me. Mm -hmm. So our bodies find very creative ways, our psyches find very creative ways to manage those situations. And therefore I learned to like leave my body <laughs> in a, in a way. And I, it wasn't even conscious, but I learned to, to just skedaddle. And I was, and was only part there. Was that like in order to take care of things, like you were there, you were, you were 
holding it down as mom. Yeah, we, absolutely. What we did was we immediately went back to the States and, um, she, my daughter was a nurse and, um, because of her diagnosis anyways, she did not want chemotherapy or radiation or anything. So we sought natural, um, different natural modalities and, um, just, just different things, but we did this all on our own. We went and found them. We, we took her to a few until it just got to the point where, where we needed to just make her comfortable to, to die. We did not enter a hospice um, facility. We did this all at home. And I mean, we just, we didn't know what the heck we were doing. We just, she knew, she knew how she wanted to die and we wanted to honor it. Wow. Um, she was uh, like incredible. She had some download from the divine on how she wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. And she was not, um, she, I was a basket case. She was not, <laughs> I mean, oh it's, it's just, mm-hmm. it's the most beautiful thing. And that's part of what, what gives me like just a passion for what I do is just knowing, knowing what she was given in those moments, um, her determination to die well. Um, and, and I, and I don't think she was determined to make it as easy on us as possible, but she did because she didn't complain. She didn't become a victim. She just embraced it mm. for what it was. And she I'm was like, teaching you. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So if she was given that, I, I ultimately, that was part of what helped me. And I'll go forward now to after she passed. Um, I was very much um, incapacitated. My body, I had PTSD in the sense that I just had this humming in my body that wouldn't go away. And I thought that I would just be this way for the rest of my life. When you're, when you have that form of, um, I guess I call it PTSD, but just, trauma you can think it's never going to go away this is the new normal you know right Um, thank you so much for speaking that thank you so much for speaking that that like you in that moment you do not see that there will be another way yeah Um, yeah yeah that's it's very very real and so I just wanted to (laughs) that was one of those sound bites I was like let's make sure we hear that yeah because in that space that's all you think that's all that will ever be yeah absolutely and yeah. then your brains and your mind starts playing tricks on you because you start replaying stories and scenes over and over again. It's like they go on a loop. And, um, and I just, I mean, it, I, I literally, um, curled up in a ball on my bed for several months. And, um, yes, I was so angry at, God, the divine creator source. (laughs) Um, I mean, honestly, what I did at first was I read near death experiences, book after book after book. They grounded me more than anything. They made me feel better than anything because I heard repetitive stories of what of the peace that I knew where she was. Um, cause that's what these stories, I mean, it was across all religions, um, or non-religious people who would have these experiences. 
the peace and how they did not want to come back. So once I was quite, it took me about (laughs) four to six weeks of reading book after book after book to feel like I knew where she was. And then I probably spent another six weeks, you know, being a victim, whining, you know, just um, curling up. And I then I got to a choice point. I literally could feel the darkness enveloping me. Mm-hmm. Um, you can keep going, you know, just here on your bed. Um, or you can get up and start putting one foot in front of the other. And I tell people now that there's something that's very alluring about that darkness. Yeah. Um, that's very real. And I deserve, Hey, look at what I went through. I deserve to wallow in this darkness. This shouldn't happen to me. It shouldn't happen to anyone, blah, blah, blah. And there's, it, it, it's, there was a real tug, but then there was also a very sobering moment where I felt like if you don't get up now, um, mm-hmm. You're going into a deep, dark place. Yeah. You might not ever get up again. Yeah. Or it's going to be so much harder because Mm -hmm. the darkness begets darkness. Yeah. Um, And so I did. And I just, that's when I started. um, I mean, my, my will had to kick in and resist all the fears and everything that was going on in my body to just start trying things, try trying to heal my body and my mind and my spirit. Right. Um, But yeah. Yeah. Just moving. Getting up. One foot in front of the other. Really. I love that. I think we've said that on this podcast before, but you know, in those dark times where you have no idea what the complete other side might look like, or if you will ever get there again, it really is a one foot in front of the other experience. Yeah. yeah like every day, every day. Yeah. <sighs> so, so through the whole, so you have this relationship with the divine, you're talking about being angry with the divine. You're talking about reading about these near death experiences and people coming back and reporting the peace. And so can you speak more to your relationship with the divine and how that improved over time or healed over time? Um, I'll leave it there and we'll see where that goes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) These are great questions. Um, So uh, I was raised um, a Christian, very strong Christian. My husband, um, his dad was a pastor. His mother's father was a pastor, um, a a little country. My husband's very Southern Georgia country, um, Methodist pastor, beautiful people. Um, But I, um, my husband and I, I would say 15, 18 years ago, we'd always gone to church, um, but just started getting disillusioned with uh, a lot of church. (laughs) And I'm going to leave, I'm just going to leave it at that. So I have had a super strong Christian background, but I also had, had, I have always had this questioning um, spirit. Well, why do they do it that way? Well, that doesn't look like love. Well, that doesn't, those things don't connect, you know? 
type of personality. Um, so things weren't connecting anymore for me. It wasn't making sense anymore for me. But but I also had a relationship um, I, ever since I was a little girl. I just knew that there was a divine force. And um, so we're going to fast forward to the day after my daughter died. Um, I can remember sitting in the living room planning her funeral. Um, and I just, I mean, I was kind of checked out, but I basically said, okay, God, if you're there, if you're there, um, I'm done. I'm done. Um, if I am going to recover from this, uh, you're going to have to show up in a way different way than the way I see you and think of you and the way you've shown up in my life so far. Mm. And I basically shelved my relationship um, or my thoughts. I shouldn't say my relationship, but my idea. All the ideas I had of God, all the ideas that I had of heaven, because honestly, everything I had learned from church about heaven, the day my daughter died, None of that gave me peace. I mean, walking streets of gold. Well, great. Okay. Right. I, I mean, I, I'm just being honest. I was lost. There was nothing that was giving me peace. And I had to go to a square one blank slate. And that one thing the divine gave me was that a very blank slate. I, I, he, I was totally freed from what people thought of me at that point. That was one of the gifts. I've had so many gifts from my daughter's death. But one of the gifts was I didn't give a shit anymore. Um, my family is all very strong Christian. And, okay, if they're listening to this podcast, great. If they ever listen to this podcast, <laughs> they, they, they thought I had lost it. Um, you know, they're praying for my soul, um, type of thing. And, but I didn't care. And I really didn't care, which was beautiful in the sense, not in a, a mean didn't care, but I was given total freedom to rebuild, um, a relationship based on experiences to come and what I got to learn from that point. Your own relationship with the sacred rather than what you had been told. Yeah. And, and that, the reason I say it's a gift is because so many times we have to go unlearn all these patterns that our tribe gave us before we can even start to contemplate new patterns or we really have to, I mean, it's just more yeah. work. I got so to awesome. skip, I got to skip that part. Mm. I, I didn't have to unlearn anything. I went right there. That's why I say it was a gift. It accelerated me into um, just this free place. Mm. That is, uh, thank you for that perspective. Yeah, that's amazing. Because the unlearning can truly be so, um, well, it can be slow and agonizing. Yours was very fast and agonizing, but, um, you know, but, but clean slate. Yeah. So you're rebuilding your relationship with the divine. And so how did you learn to trust the divine again? Well, um, I am still learning and, yeah. and I, you know, I, I, I trust more than I did when this all first started, but I am learning because this is why trust, you have to trust when you don't know something like w when you can't see something, when you're asked to do something that you can't 
see the outcome. You can't feel the outcome. And, and so that's why change is so scary is because we don't know the outcome Mm. of stepping into something like quitting your job and doing your passion. We don't know the outcome and it's terrifying and we don't get to know that's, that ruins the, (laughs) the trust and it ruins the, the growth from the trust. Um, so I am still learning to trust just because even now, after years of, in the jungle <laughs> of beautiful healing, and I don't live isolated in the jungle, so don't get that picture, but um, I'm now having to trust to step out in some business ways that, oh my gosh, they're scary. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you want to say more about that? <laughs> Oh, it's kind of triggering. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> okay, we don't have to. We don't have no, to. No, I have I, another question. I, I, <laughs> no, I would be happy to. But my point is, is that so, so? So, just going back, my trust then was I had to lay down. Um, I had to trust that I would never get to know why. And number and two, there was never going to be a good enough reason. Even if the divine said to me here, I'm going to spell out why this happened so that you can trust me. Right. Oh, it, I would have gotten a long letter and I would have gone, well, this doesn't make me trust you <laughs> right. because you still did it or you still allowed it to happen. And so I had to drop the why question. And I think that that's the most poignant part of trust is dropping the why and the how it's going to unfold mm-hmm. and, and walking into it anyways. Yeah. Right. So I love what you said a moment ago about, you know, the, even the choices that the change that we desire there's still an immense amount of trust that's required right there because we can't control the outcome. Yeah. And we try. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. I want that reassurance every day. Mm-hmm. And I believe, I really believe that as we, as we let go of, let go of the illusion that we can control anything, now that's a loaded statement because we can control what we eat for breakfast. We can control, but ultimately in life, we can't control our, we do our best to raise our children, but when they're adults, we can't control the choices they make. Um, and I mean, so it's just so much of what we think we can control. We can't. And, um, but that doesn't make us stop trying and living and growing and expanding, you know, um, and that's, and, and that does come down to, okay, if I truly believe that I can't control, I, I can't control the outcome of, of these things. Um, I can't control my life. I can't make, if I do ABC, I, I will get D. Right. Not, a, it, it, it's just, that only happens in mathematics. <laughs> Right. And that's the formula that we're all given, you know, like as someone who was in school between all of the years I was a student and all the years I was a teacher, um, you know, for like well over 30 years of my life, we're taught that if you follow the formula, 
you know, primarily with school and going, getting certain certifications and paths or, you know, if you find, I think we're a little past this, but I know our generation, like it, we, we thought if we get the husband, if we get the, you know, if we follow the path, then yep. um, we will somehow be satisfied. Um, and so that that's a form of control. And we're like, we're hoping that that works until we stop and realize that that's not the formula. It's actually not the formula for, um, for true success or for knowing ourselves. Yeah. And then, and, and so there's this massive, and, and one of the reasons for this podcast, there's a massive shift in like, what is the new formula? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, what is the new recipe? How do we learn to trust? How do we learn uh-huh. to surrender to the divine? How do we learn to surrender control? Um, the work of a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we are... <sighs> You know, we're not promised uh, that that outcome, and and yet life is still good. Yeah, and yet well, life is still for us and not against us. And we didn't do anything wrong. This is the biggest thing, or one of the biggest things, is so many times when the formula doesn't work, we go, "Okay, what did I do wrong? Exactly. I must have done something wrong." And then we go into shame. Yeah. And if not shame on ourselves, typically we go into shame on ourselves and blame of other people, a combination of both, because we feel this deep need to find out why. Right. It goes back to even my why God. And when we realize that this is just the nature of life, that that, um, things happen, um, we don't see the big picture. The game's not over yet. And and I believe that, you know, we will understand things more clearly at some point um all the intricacies going on and that this happened so that that would be set up for years later that that this would you know if, if we if we saw it all i think we'd be blown away yeah um yeah. but we're asked to trust instead of seeing it because once we saw it we would try to control it <laughs> exactly right Right. So I loved something that you wrote to me before we met for our interview today. And you were talking about the paradox of the edge of surrendering to the mystery of life while simultaneously taking full responsibility for life. And I'm wondering if you can um, speak to that. You know, how how do we not control or surrender control, surrender to the mystery, and still take responsibility for who we are and what we want and the life that we live. How do you how do you dance that dance? Well, oh my gosh, that's so that's probably the question of my my whole yeah. like well, I would say definitely the one that's been in my my big my field for 2019 and and has come into 2020 and probably maybe something to unpack for the rest of my life is that just um, how do we let go of our wounds and our hurts? I mean, I still, I, I, I can't paint the picture that I am all better and I have no wounds and no scars um, from all the choices I've made in the last seven years, you know, starting from selling 
the house. And, and oh my gosh, we could go way back beyond that because when you add in being kids, uh, having kids, especially when they become adults, you see, <laughs> you see all the things, uh, not that you did wrong, but you're like, oh my gosh, mm. you know, you see, you, you can get onto yourself. So you, and yet we have to let all of that go that judging, that comparison, the shaming of ourselves, we have to let it all go. And yet some of these things, some of these memories and patterns and things we've done, especially when you get in your, your 30s, 40s, 50s, um, you know, they're literally almost um, in you. They're part of who you are. And this was part of my my healing journey when I finally got out of bed and started putting one feet foot in front of the other was the big question of how, how do I heal what I just went through? What I saw with my eyes and what I felt that I felt that I, my body felt trauma from, I felt like this is in my cellular body. Now, will I ever, um, be normal again? Will I ever be able to have this come out of me? Am I forever changed by this? Um, and the answer to that question is yes and no. I think we're forever changed. But that was my search was how, how do I let go of all this? Because if I can't let go of all this, I don't know about this life. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's like a, what happens after you're broken open? Yeah. 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 I resonate with that. The 2019 journey was, was a breaking open for me and recognizing that I will never put myself back together in the way that I was, which mm-hmm. took a lot of control. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a responsibility. And I just really appreciate about your story that you had that insight while you were laying in bed and making that choice point going, will if this is in my cellular memory now, will it ever come out? And um, yeah. Yeah. The answer is yes and no. Yes. You can heal on mm-hmm. that nervous system level on the cellular mm-hmm. level. Yes, you can. And you never forget there's like, there's a broken, a being broken open. That's how I see it. Like once you are broken open, um, it never fully goes back together, but by taking the responsibility for this paradoxical life and your own life and getting back up, um, you, you start to dance with the divine. Yeah. Yeah. So, and to pick up with just when I got up and started moving and trying and um, engaging in life again, um, what I, what I, what, what came on my radar screen, which I believe was the divine, were these weird opportunities to do all these strange things like, like breath work. Um, a conscious connected breath work and, um, and, uh, ecstatic dance and all these just, you know, and many other interesting, unique out of the box modalities to move energy through your body. Um, 
And that was what I got drawn into because it made me feel better. Yeah. It made me feel lighter. It gave me hope. My body started to feel better. Um, so that's, that's what, and, and all those things presented themselves here in Costa Rica. People started coming into my life that um, introduced me to other modalities. So I started trying. I started risking because at that point I had, even though I was messed up and um, not in a good place, I also had this, like, I don't have anything to lose mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've, I've been through the worst. Sure, I can handle that. I'll try that. That doesn't scare me. Even though my body's humming as I go into it, which says I am scared. My nervous system is scared, but there was another part of my psyche that's like, whatever. And I just started trying everything um, because I figured that was the way, you know, the divine was showing up by saying, okay, by seeing this and I'll go try that. By seeing this, and I'll go try that because I wasn't in a place to really figure it out myself. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. And you're following the signs and putting one foot in front of the other. I love it. So, Meg, I would love to conclude this conversation with you telling us more. It's almost full circle to the first question that I asked you. So, where did this lead you in your work? What is your offering to women, and what does that look like, and where can they find you? Well, thank you. Um, I have a website called modalitiesthatheal.com. And um, so what I was telling you about the trigger earlier, just with all this business stuff, um, I'm in the process of maybe even revamping and renaming it, but it's for now, it's still there and it still represents me 100%. So please, please go to it. And if it changes, it'll just redirect you eventually. But um and I offer, I, I, I offer help for women, support for women, um, using modalities mainly of breathwork, dance, and, um, and mindfulness techniques. Uh, and this represents body, mind, spirit for me mm-hmm. uh, because of, like I said, in my own healing journey, is I needed help on, on those three levels. My mind needed help. My mind, the stories had to be, um, reprogrammed, rechanged. I had to change the stories. Whatever story's playing in your head is what you're going to believe. So that's a very big piece. And then um, the breath work was, um, and when I talk about breath work, I'm talking about a 50, up to 50 minute session of conscious connected breathing, which actually takes you into your subconscious mind. Um, it's coming, breath work is like this, is coming on the scene more and more now and i believe in the coming years it's going to be very normal um we need it and um but it it helped me release a lot of trauma out of my nervous system Mm -hmm. and um and tap into my subconscious mind to just just because you have visions and things that come to you during these sessions that you know are yours and you know they're coming from a a wisdom of your own that that they're connected to you somehow, but they're also from a not connected to you, but, but you, so it's your inner wisdom speaking to you. And this was a powerful, I would say it was one of the most powerful pieces for me because it hit me on all levels. It hit me in the body. It helped me 
let go of the um, the the PTSD that just this this in my on my cellular level, and then it helped me tap back into my intuition and trust my intuition. Um, and then the the movement and the dance. Um, I, actually, my background I I taught dance on and off since I was 17 years old. And I I just always loved to move my body. And that was my therapy always. And so mm-hmm. there's so many beautiful modalities out now on um, ways to um, really get connected to how you're feeling and let go of things um, through movement. And yeah. so those, those are the things I use um, currently use with women. And I do workshops. I do one-on-one retreats. Women can come here and stay with me. I have a cabin cabina on my property. I do that. And then right now I've been working in other people's retreats. I have yet to have my own retreat, but someday I probably will. So beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing. It just, it sounds so inviting. So realities.heal.com. <laughs> Meg, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story. Um, it's a, it's a sacred and deep story. And so I'm really honored that you would share it in this space. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Sarah. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. I just bless you and your work. Mm-hmm. And you and yours. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Sarah, your host and the creator of Embodied Breath, where I use trauma-informed coaching and healing methodologies to help you live into your full truth so that you can be who you desire to be in the world. I believe that every woman has a truth that she's not yet telling and that to own that truth changes and even saves her life. At sarahpoet.com, you'll find trauma-sensitive tools, practices, meditations, my TEDx for modern women, an e-course to help women shift from silence into sacred truth, my blog with more stories, and links to working with me in various durations. Schedule a consultation right there if this is right for you. Everything changes when we align with the truth of who we are, when we own that truth and claim a path of sacred remembering for ourselves. I believe that it is the formula for everything from personal to global change. Thank you so much for being a part of that change. Thank you to Meg for being here with us today and for generously sharing your personal story. This is how we heal and rise together in honesty, in tenderness, in alchemizing the things that happen to us into our own potent medicine. Thank you listeners for being here. Take care of those hearts of yours. Stay connected in the Sacred Remembering Facebook group if there's anything that you'd like to share in response to this episode. Much, much love, and we'll see you next week. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path.
of sacred remembering.